Welcome to the Source of Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we talk to the experts in all asset classes of commercial real estate. Listen so you can grow your wealth, expand your portfolio, improve your mindset, and live an amazing life. And now, your host, Jonathan Hayek. If you are curious about commercial real estate, even intimidated, but you're willing to learn, this is the podcast for you. Maybe you're frustrated with multifamily, struggling to find deals, and you want to learn a new asset class. This is the podcast where we talk to the experts in all areas of commercial real estate so you can find your competitive advantage, grow your portfolio, and live an amazing life. I'm your host, Jonathan Hayek, and I'm an investor, probably a lot like you. I have a portfolio of small multifamily and small commercial properties. And several years ago, I thought I would just keep buying more of these types of properties. But as time has gone on, deals that make sense have been harder to come by. I'm in a different stage of life than I was just a few years ago, and my investing philosophy has changed so that now I'm looking to purchase larger deals in the non-residential space. But how do I know what to buy? How do I know what a good deal is? Should I buy a warehouse or a medical office building, a self-storage facility, or a mobile home park? That's why I started this podcast, so I can learn from the experts, learn all of the asset classes, and make good investing decisions. I'm glad you're here listening, and I hope this podcast can help you make good investing decisions too. This is another episode of Feedback Friday, and in this episode, I go through my three main takeaways from my interview that week. The interviews last anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, sometimes even longer, whereas this episode is going to be 20 minutes or shorter, and it's really going to hit the highlights. I think of this episode as the Cliff Notes version of the interview. In this episode, I can go through any background that we didn't hit on in the interview, my analysis, the highlights, and really it's my main takeaways, and maybe there are takeaways that you could have missed. You should definitely go back and listen to the full episode if you haven't already, but this episode will be kind of a short version to get the big takeaways from my guest from that week. So let's get to my three big takeaways. My first takeaway is the importance of due diligence, whether it's in mobile home parks or whatever property that you're buying. Second, managing your workflow. My third takeaway is using real estate to live an amazing life. First, let's talk about the importance of due diligence in whatever you're buying. I'm going to talk about two main ideas in due diligence. First, as it relates specifically to mobile home parks, and then second, as it relates just to a general idea of due diligence, no matter what you're buying. So first, in talking about mobile home parks, he talked about how there's really not a lot to inspect when you're buying a mobile home park. There are the big items, though. For example, sewer, sewer, sewer. Whenever I talk to a mobile home park investor, it is the sewer. So he talked about looking for something weird underground. A novice investor might assume that if it's underground, if you can't see it, then everything must be fine. But you learn that with experience when you have sewer issues that you should not assume that everything is fine underground. 
So Chad mentioned the importance of having the right vendors. So maybe not having just any old plumber come and do a sewer scope, but maybe having someone experienced, preferably in mobile home parks. If not, then maybe just large commercial properties. Like other asset classes, a bad sewer or problems with a sewer where repairs are needed isn't necessarily a deal breaker. It just means it has to be factored into your numbers. So you can go back to the seller and ask for repairs and concessions, or you just have to be buying it at a low enough price that it works into your numbers. Chad also mentioned some advice that has come up several times in other interviews that I've done, and that is novice investors tend to underestimate capital expenses and what's going to be required for capital improvements. So the general advice that I've heard from doing these interviews is that it's a good idea if you're raising money to over-raise for capital improvements, especially in this environment that we're in where it is hard to find contractors, you might be able to find someone to do a job or a project that you want done, but it might be at a price that you are not expecting. So if you've over-raised for capital improvements, you might be able to afford to pay that higher price. The flip side is having to do a capital call in order to get those improvements done and no investor likes a capital call. So over-raising for capital improvements might ultimately result in slightly lower returns for investors, but it's much better than the alternative of a capital call. If by chance you don't end up needing all of your capital needed for improvements, then it can just go into your operating budget. I know I've had the experience in my early investing days, and Chad talked about this too, where novice investors think nothing bad is going to go wrong. I won't need to go over my budget. Nothing unexpected is going to come up. But after you've done it a few times, you realize that stuff will come up. Your capital project may very well cost more than you expect it to, and it may take longer than you expect, expect it to, which will ultimately cost you money in the long run. One of my biggest takeaways from the due diligence portion of my discussion with Chad is whatever asset class you're in, knowing the big due diligence items that you need to hit. Maybe you're not interested in mobile home parks. Maybe you're interested in a different commercial real estate asset class, like maybe occupied office buildings or industrial buildings, some sort of property that comes with a tenant and that tenant comes with a lease. You still need to think about what are your big ticket items? What could go wrong? What is going to ultimately cost you money? So maybe it's getting your hands on the lease and reading that lease thoroughly and making sure you understand it and maybe even getting an estoppel agreement with the current tenant. When I was buying small multifamily properties, I really mostly concerned myself with the big ticket items, things like the roof and sewer. I would still get plumbing and electrical inspections done, but when the plumber comes through and he notes maybe a leaky faucet or a toilet that's running, I factor that into my numbers, of course, but I don't get bent out of shape about it because I know uh, in relative terms, the cost to repair a leaky faucet is going to be pretty small. 
versus if I get a sewer scope and I see a break in the sewer line, I know that sewer repair is going to cost thousands versus a leaky toilet or a uh, dripping faucet is going to be just a couple hundred dollars. And again, that stuff gets factored into my numbers, but I really focus on the big ticket items. Other big ticket items I would look out for in bigger non-residential properties would be things like parking lots, roofs, structure, and one of your biggest things to consider is vacancy. That's a pretty big topic. If you're buying a property with a tenant in place and they have five years left on their lease, it's really hard to predict what the market is going to be like in five years. But I would take into account possibly the condition of the interior exterior of the building. If that tenant were to leave in five years, what sort of improvements would you anticipate having to make in order to fill that space? If you're going for more of a value-add play of a commercial property and it's vacant, you do need to consider that interior and exterior condition. If there's no tenant, there's probably a reason that there's no tenant, and it probably has to do with the condition of the property. So you'll have to analyze the condition of the interior and exterior and consider if there's going to be a significant capital expense in order to get it ready for a tenant. A final consideration of due diligence with a non-residential property is just vacancy. So no matter what kind of property it is, whether it's office, medical, industrial, figuring out realistically how long it's going to take to fill that space um, if it's currently vacant. So you might need to plan on three, six, or even 12 months of vacancy and just factor that into your numbers. My second takeaway from my discussion with Chad Freeman was how he manages his workflow. There were really two concepts he talked about. First was how he finds his way to deep work. He's a busy guy. He's a full-time airline pilot. He flies internationally. And he's also running this mobile home park business. And so he has a lot going on in addition to his family and interests that he has. Something I heard loud and clear from him is that finding deep work and flow is purposeful. It does not happen accidentally. He talked about being stingy with time, putting his cell phone away, putting it on airplane mode or do not disturb, and seriously focusing on the task at hand. As humans and really Americans and people in the Western world, we're so inundated with distractions all day long, and it mostly comes from our cell phones. The advice that I consistently hear from experts is managing how we are receiving notifications and disturbances from our cell phone. This gets into the idea of analyzing what is important versus what is urgent. We get inundated with all kinds of urgent things all day, whether it's text messages or notifications from different social media apps, but those things are not necessarily important. Cal Newport talks about carefully curating your digital world so that you're not even presented with things that aren't important to you. So if that's going through your Instagram feed and 
unfollowing accounts that are just not important to you, or going through the notifications on your phone and turning notifications off for apps that are not important to you. Most importantly, it's about setting up your environment for your success. So if you are working on a project that's going to take an extended period of time and you know you're going to get distracted, getting rid of those distractions. For a lot of people, that means turning your phone on airplane mode or simply do not disturb. For other people, it's putting your phone away in a different room, in a drawer, in your car. When I'm working on a big project, I often close out of my email. That is something that I am very susceptible to is checking email. So if I get to a lull in a project or I just get bored or distracted, I click over to my internet browser and I check email, even if there's nothing particularly uh, important or useful in there. These are all strategies that I use when I'm working on this podcast. A typical podcast takes me several hours to uh, prepare for, to conduct the interview, and then ultimately edit it after the interview. If I am constantly going between my phone and my email and uh, different tabs that are open, it would take me so much longer. And the podcast is really fun to work on when I get into that workflow and, um, and sometimes even a flow state. But it does not come naturally. I have to set up my environment so that I can be successful. I do not work on my podcast when I'm at home. I have a separate office with very limited distractions. I turn my phone on Do Not Disturb and put it away, and this is the only thing that I'm working on for this period of time. After talking about workflow, Chad talked about how important it is for him to manage stress. Between a full-time job and starting his mobile home park business, he had a significant amount of stress. Chad talked about using a Netflix show or app to help him manage stress. He And he also talked about just shifting his mindset and thinking about stress in a different way. Um, he talked about instead of thinking of stress as this awful and terrible thing out to get him, that instead think about it as a result of opportunity and being grateful. Because the reason you have the stress in your life is because you have great things going on in your life. And so that's an opportunity to be grateful for these opportunities that you have in front of you. My third takeaway from my discussion with Chad Freeman is one of my favorite things to talk about on this podcast is how Chad is using real estate to live an amazing life. This is one of the big overarching themes of this podcast. Uh, for me, and hopefully for you, real estate is not just a job. It's not just something we do, but it is a means to an end. I'm passionate about real estate, and my guess is you are too, but I am using real estate to live an amazing life. I have interests outside of real estate. I have hopes and dreams and interests, and I'm using real estate to achieve those things, and Chad is too. I love that right off the bat when I asked that question, he had an answer ready, and that was to get his house paid off. We could argue all day about whether it's a good idea to pay off a house financially. Maybe in your spreadsheet, it is not the best financial investment to have a paid off house, but 
I have thought about it, and I think that is a great goal to have a paid-off house. Just to have the peace of mind that no matter what, no matter what happens ever, uh, you can really never lose your house, and you are in control of it. I love that Chad talked about the only reason that he lives in the house that he does is because of real estate. He mentioned that the previous house that he bought, he bought as a short sale, and immediately after closing on it, he had 100 k in equity. So he stayed in that house for a period of time, sold it, had a large gain, and then used that gain to buy his current house. And it sounds like his current house is basically his dream house. He loves his current house. It's on the water. He has a dock. He gets to go out and fish with his family, and he watches boats go by. And it sounds like that is part of his amazing life. He does still work, but he works in a job that he loves, and he knows that he's ultimately expendable at his job. He's a pilot, and in a significant economic downturn, he knows that he could lose his job if he doesn't have a high enough seniority. With real estate in his life, it would ultimately not be the end of the world if he lost his job. And it sounds like at some point, he's going to get to the point where he quits his job in order to have that ultimate freedom. But for now, he loves his job, he loves flying internationally, and the lifestyle and opportunities that that job provides. So there you have it, my three main takeaways from my conversation with Chad Freeman. First was knowing your main due diligence items, no matter what kind of property that you're buying. Second, knowing how to manage your workflow. And third, using real estate to live an amazing life. Coming up on the podcast, I have some fantastic guests that I think you're really going to enjoy, including experts in the areas of uh, triple net retail, quick surf restaurants, industrial, office, brokering, and tons more. If you want to hear those episodes, make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast player so you don't miss a single one. Finally, if you're feeling generous and you want to make me feel good, go ahead and leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. And until next time, take care. This content is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not financial advice, and it is not an invitation to buy or sell real estate or make any investment decisions.